This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. All right, welcome back, everyone. Day two in the studio. See, excuse me, day three in the studio. I'm happy to be back. You probably don't know the difference, but the quality of sound, I could hear it. Uh, and, of course, being in studio with uh, Justin, Pete, and Eric almost in studio with me. Because of social distancing, Pete, how, did, how was it that Eric was forced to leave the studio? Well, we had a vote, and he <laughs> lost. He lost. That's it. So, like, so Eric comes in, says hello, but because of social distancing, leaves the studio. I mean, this is, Eric, you're, you're like you're, you're the, technically the highest ranking guy because Allison's continuing to go on maternity leave. We don't know how long it's going to last. You left. I have to monitor from the tracking booth next door. Yes. But, okay. So you're still going to stay. You don't go home. No. <laughs> you're better as far not. as you know. As far as I know. All right. So, Eric, it's, it's a shame. It's like... Uh, uh, a, a general deciding to lead the charge, like the old days. Hey, this hour we're going to be joined by Judith Miller and Carly Shimkus separately. Uh, Judith Miller is going to be with us. She's, you know her as the outstanding uh, uh, prize-winning uh, reporter, Fox News contributor, uh, writes now um, talking about censorship. The president was stopped on Twitter on another tweet. Guess what? His tweet, this is how offensive his tweet was. You know what he said? I'll paraphrase. There will not be an autonomous zone set up. In Washington, not as long as I'm your president. And that's what Twitter says was threatening. The autonomous zone is the one that's threatening. And I'm sure if I go down to other tweets, there's a lot more threatening than that. They are targeting him. They're trying to marginalize through social media. I think every Republican, especially the president, even though he made Twitter. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. However, in other areas of the country, we're now seeing a disturbing surge of infections that looks like it's a combination. But one of the things is an increase in community spread. Uh, there you go. That is Anthony Fauci, the coronavirus. He's overrated, often contradictory, but Fauci is telling us the state of the fight. The vaccine, concerns about spikes, where we're at, and our guest stand, and, and, and our quest to stand back up this economy and our country. I'll let you know. Number two. We are excited, as many cities are, to reimagine public safety. And that means not just to reform the police, but to replace the police. Listen to her, that Democratic mayor. Hey, Joe Biden, is that your party? If not, please denounce her. Lawlessness rages. Atlanta, Chicago, New York, Minneapolis, they see crime spike. You know why? Because law enforcement's been been vilified. They've been cut back. They now are told that they're the bad guys. So good luck. You let your good guys rage and rampage. More Dem mayor demand. Uh, de- more Democratic mayors now are demanding the police just disband and be reimagined. Good luck with that. 
Number one. We see that these are not monuments to history and heritage, but they're an attempt to rewrite history and to essentially celebrate a false narrative about what happened during the Civil War. Uh, that is Ken Burns, esteemed historian, Channel 13. He's a liberal guy. War on history. He's talking about Confederate statues. President ready for the fighting uh, for the fight, pledging jail for destroyers of our past as they now target a Lincoln statue dedicated by Frederick Douglass and Ulysses S. Grant, dedicated in 1876. All Jackson statues have been defiled and attacked, which means no memorial is safe. But for New York Governor Cuomo, that's great. This freedom of expression, unless, of course, it's for an Italian named Columbus. And I'm not kidding. So as they go after Ulysses S. Grant, they go after George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Robert E. Lee, of course, Confederate statues with directly Ken Burns was talking about. You have Governor Cuomo weighing in and saying, hey, I think it's a pretty good thing to do. Cut nine. Cut six. People are making a statement uh, about equality, about community, uh, to be against racism against slavery. Uh, I think those are good statements. And uh, it depends, you know, can you overdo it? Of course you can. But uh, in New York, I don't think we've overdone it. And I think that I think it's a healthy expression of people saying, let's get some priorities here and let's remember the sin and mistake that these this nation made. Right. And let's not celebrate it. Yeah, let's not celebrate George Washington. My goodness, Teddy Roosevelt. I, we The last thing I want to do is celebrate Teddy Roosevelt. What did he really accomplish? Nothing, really. I mean, accomplished historian, great writer, two-term president, uh, war hero. What did he actually do? Environmentalist? How dare I? New York City police chief? Terrible person. George Washington had slaves? Terrible. But he also gave birth to our nation by winning a war. No one thought he had a chance of even surviving, let alone winning through his tactics, technique, and leadership. It's a healthy thing. Can you believe this guy is governor and lauded? I think he's got 60% approval because he loves to ask himself questions at press conference because no one asks him real questions anyway. So this is what really has got me today with the war on, on, on history. I couldn't believe this was happening. I realize I got two copies of my notes here. It's the same thing. I'm, I, I think they're both great, by the way, uh, because I wrote both of them. Uh, so... They are going after a Lincoln statue, and the Lincoln statue was dedicated in 1876, 11 years after his assassination to the day. Uh, and it was dedicated and designed by Thomas Ball, an American living in Italy. He had four designs. And what they do is African-Americans find this offensive. I'd love to know if, if you are African-American, have seen this statue or pictures of it. Tell me what you think. Because Thomas Ball designed it. It was financed by free fugitive, now freed slaves. Now, it was picked by a commission, and what it shows is an actual slave, and his name was Archer Alexander, and they have him rising from his knees, according to the designer, 100 years ago, and they have him rising from his knees on his own. It says, on his own, showing that he is breaking the bonds and chains of slavery, and Lincoln stands above him. Number one, Lincoln stood above everybody. He was taller than just about everybody. Number two is... He signed the Emancipation Proclamation. That's what the statue is named after. And Frederick Douglass was chosen to give the dedication speech. He looked at it. He said, that's not the one I would have designed, but that was finance. that was put out there. I get it. And he put it out there. And now you have this lawmaker 
local politician who wants to rip it down. And they say if it's not, if they don't rip it down and they will stop from doing it on Tuesday, they will do it on their own. Thursday, tomorrow. So when the President of the United States said two years ago, okay, you're coming for Robert E. Lee now. What is next? Washington and Jefferson? Yes, Mr. President, you were wrong, though. You actually should have said Lincoln because that's who they're coming for. And this girl, Elizabeth, this woman, Elizabeth Roglini, I never heard of her. This uh, looks like a Venezuelan uh, activist model. Uh, I watched her rant and I retweeted it. And Laura Ingram was smart enough to book her. And she is from Venezuela. They were the freest, most prosperous South American nation, perhaps, certainly oil rich. And then in come the communists slash socialists, uh, the fascists, uh, Hugo Chavez and Maduro. And they robbed the country of all their esteem, their natural resources and their wealth. And they did it first by ripping on their history. Listen to Elizabeth cut five. I don't think they're seeing past what's going to happen next because they're they're thinking these are just symbols of oppression. But uh, I had a lot of friends that told me, oh, it's just the Confederate statues. And I said, no, it's not going to be just the Confederate statues. Just wait and see. This is a slippery slope. The, the next thing is going to be all the symbols of the United States. Uh, founding fathers are going to be attacked. Religious symbols are going to be attacked. And next, probably museums. I mean, anything can be attacked if you just let it happen. If you just let the first ones come down, then nothing is nothing. There's no limits to what's next. And tell me she's wrong. She's not wrong. I can't even keep up with how many statues are coming down. Francis Scott Key, Ulysses S. Grant, George Washington over in Portland, uh, Andrew Jackson defiled in beautiful Jacksonville, Florida. For two straight days, they went after the statue. They almost got Jackson out in Lafayette Square right in front of the White House where they're trying to set it up an autonomous zone. The symbol there in front of the White House. So they want to be a country within a country. Some mini civil war going on here and not a Democrat is speaking up. What are you talking about? Where is Chuck Schumer on this? Where is Governor Cuomo? We know where he stands and what an embarrassment that is. So this town hall senior reporter, this Julio uh, Rosas, was on with Tucker last night. And Julio talked about what he saw around the Lincoln sta- uh, statue. Cut for. Uh, so what, what we've seen uh, or what I saw today, uh, so the, the Parks Police and the D.C. Metro Police has completely pushed uh, away, uh, pushed the protesters away from the uh, their autonomous zone that they tried to set up earlier uh, yesterday. Uh, and they were quite upset about that because they had first aid stations, they had food stations, water stations, things of that nature. Uh, but thing, obviously, the, they weren't going to let uh, the, not, not, essentially the mob uh, tear down the statue of Andrew Jackson. And so that's why they pushed the perimeter out there completely. And I just came from uh, the Lincoln Park, which is in the Capitol Hill neighborhood, and they're expressing their uh, outrage towards the emancipation statue where it shows Abraham Lincoln uh, over a kneeling slave. Uh, And they're saying that they are planning on tearing down that statue in that park uh, on Thursday. And they better not. And if the uh, park police aren't there, uh, citizens should show up. This emancipate. This is what the original designer has. And I'm doing uh, my next book is on Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass, how they combined to win a war, make America more perfect union. And I'm reading a lot about Frederick Douglass. And here's what the creator of this statue wrote as right before about what this was about. It's financed by freed slaves. 
they get this American living in Italy to design it. And here's what they said. Uh, Ball was convinced by the commission and by the image of Alexander. I told you the, the Alexander is an actual living, breathing, former slave, now American. Uh, Alexander to alter his conception of a kneeling slave. So the first picture was of a kneeling slave. And they said, no, we want to represent. That's too passive. They said, quote, we want an emancipated slave, an agent in his own deliverance. Freedom seized. Ideal. This is ideal. Uh, they said this is an ideal picture to show a converted literal truth of history. And the speech wasn't all to complimentary of America, this great place. And even Lincoln, who was slow to understand that he has to free the slaves. Lincoln wanted to keep the country together. In doing so, he told the South, don't leave. Keep your slaves. We'll work it out. That, that just was abhorrent, obviously, to Frederick Douglass and everybody else. Well, the abolitionists, Lincoln gradually fights the war, meets Frederick Douglass, Signs the Emancipation Proclamation. He sees the sincerity in his quest. Understand that Lincoln evolved like we're all evolving. That's why the statue is important. That's why 11 years later, his friend, Frederick Douglass, African-American, one of the most famous people in the world, chose to write an incredible speech and dedicated to him. Who are we in 2020? A bunch of shirtless skateboarders decide to show up with masks, maybe because of coronavirus, or maybe they don't want to be recognized, and just tear it down. We're not worthy to tear down history. We're worthy to study it and maybe decide if it wants to be, you want to marginalize it or not. Now, Ken Burns surprised me to a degree. He's a liberal guy. We always love having him on the show. Endlessly interesting and a great scholar. But this is what he said about the Confederate statues. And tell me if you agree. one 408 Cut seven. What I know uh, from my reading of history is that the Confederate monuments have to go. We see that these are not monuments to history and heritage, but they're an attempt to rewrite history and to essentially celebrate a false narrative about what happened during the Civil War and to uh, send the wink winks, uh, the dog whistles, as we are fond of saying today, across the generations about what the Civil War was about. Uh, You know, Robert E. Lee, people have said in different times, he was the one who told everyone, uh, let's cut it. Let's let's uh, reunify. Let's not drag this out. Made sure reunification was for his entire army and did a lot to bring the country back together. You want to put a statue of of him? Go ahead. Let's debate it. Let's vote on it. Let the city council decide on it. But my feeling is you work, you work, you take Stonewall Jackson, you get rid of Robert E. Lee, and next thing you know, you're going for the Ulysses S. Grant. That's not a theory that happened. If you delve into Ulysses S. Grant's background, and if you read Ron Chernow's book, and if you saw the three-part series on History Channel, which is phenomenal, uh, they didn't cover this, but his wife's family had slaves. His family didn't. They had one slave for a short period of time. You know what he did? He went to court, paid out of his own pocket to make sure that slave was free. He was a person of his time. You don't rip down his statue. You thank him for winning a war and coming out of nowhere. He was an assistant tanner to his younger brother to join an army that didn't want him. They kicked him out and then impressed Lincoln to the point where this series of victories that he put him in charge of the uh, the whole thing and he produced a victory and in many ways uh, was a very good president who was uh, deceived by his so-called friends who ended up being corrupt. Real quick, law and order is not happening in America. Minneapolis, 
terrible numbers. Chicago, awful numbers in terms of shootings and murders. New York is going through the roof. I feel like it's 1977 all over again. Uh, But now, the defund the police, Democrats can't run from that concept. When we come back, what a new mayor, Democratic mayor, just said about defunding the police. It actually gets worse. Joe Biden, your serve. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. We are excited, as many cities are, to reimagine public safety. And that means not just to reform the police, but to replace the police with more trauma-informed and care-based, community-led responses that really don't warrant a badge and a gun. That is Joe Biden's head hitting the ground along with James Clyburn. The last thing Democrats want to do is start defunding the police because you know why? There's a lot of policemen that vote and women that vote, and there's a lot of police families that vote. And there's a lot of retired cops, and they've never seen such disrespect. And that is a Democratic mayor of Oakland. Reimagine the police to fund and destroy. Send a social worker to your next shooting. That's genius. Chris, listening in Virginia Beach. Hey, Chris. Hey, Brian. Um, yeah, I was calling. I'm actually living in Pennsylvania now, but we've been in uh, Virginia Beach for the past week visiting my parents, and they literally watch MSNBC 24-7. And I've pulled my hair out because, you know, this morning you were talking about this, the, the monuments. MSNBC has not covered any of that. You're kidding. All they've talked about – No, Chuck, so yesterday Chuck Todd for two hours talked about the coronavirus and Trump's rally. There's – out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. 
His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Still talking about that. And it's just, it's driving me crazy. My parents say I'm brainwashing my children because we watch Fox and, and other things. But it really, like, you really struck a chord this morning because it's been driving me crazy because they only have one TV in their house. They're old school. And it, it, they really, they're, it really bothers me, and it, it scares me because people were watching this, and my mom and dad are, are spouting everything they say. And it, I worry about the election. Um, on that. So, uh, uh, you know, I, you I worry about a whole country thinking that it's okay to protest and not get the coronavirus, but if you show up in Tulsa, you're going to get it. It's okay to go into the chop zone and take over a city and say we're making our own rules. And when it goes south and people get shot and killed, you stop covering it, and that's okay. The lawlessness and the way they look the other way, I, for me, I'm linking Joe Biden right with that because he's got to denounce it. Or, or join it. And he's going to join it until he denounces it. Because that's what you're going to get if he wins. Thanks so much, Chris. I feel your pain. And all you can do is keep talking to him. Brian Kilmeade Show. Judith Miller next. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The left is not trying to promote justice or equality or lift up the downtrodden. They have one goal, the pursuit of their own political power for whatever reason. And if you give power to people that demolish monuments and attack churches and seize city streets and set fire to buildings then nothing is sacred and no one is safe. Uh, There you go. Uh, The president yesterday talking about the takedown of the statues, monuments, uh, historic figures, and not doing it through the legal process, so to speak. Uh, I see your calls up there. I'll get to them shortly. Uh, But right now, it's my privilege to bring in uh, one of America's finest uh, reporters, Judith Miller, adjunct fellow at Manhattan Institute, uh, City Journal contributing editor and best-selling author, uh, as well as a Pulitzer Prize-winning investigative reporter and author of this article that really caught our attention, Censorship Spiral, uh, how this reminds us of other societies, and it's not good. Uh, Judith Miller, welcome back. Hi, Brian. Nice to hear from you. Hey, Judith, there's a war on history. <laughs> it's it's a rewriting of history on the part of those who want to uh, uh, tear down Teddy Roosevelt statues at the Museum of Natural History, one of our great conservationists. It's an effort to make the history we would like to have had as opposed to the history we had. That's a great line. Uh, and so why now? <laughs> what is it about this generation that feels as though we're, we're so much better than the previous generations? Let's take down any sign of history. Well, I think, you know, every 20 years this kind of happens, Brian. It was, you know, uh, every 40 years, it's a generational thing. People have to learn that they can't, uh, they can't erase the past. You can only remember and learn from it and contextualize it. 
And I want to kind of salute those Civil War historians who've been standing up for, uh, you know, for basically their history. And this, look, I understand, and I think you can understand why if you live in the South and you have to face Confederate flags and statues of people who declared war on our country, and you are a person of color, that's really offensive. And maybe the time has come, and I believe the time has come to remove those statues or put them where they belong in history museums. But, you know, there's a way to do things and a way not to do it. And once this thing gets rolling, it all gets out of hand. And all of a sudden we have people demanding that <laughs> faces be erased from Mount Rushmore, <laughs> that uh, movies not be seen like Gone with the Wind, which you were kind enough to allude to. And, you know, in my in the article that you mentioned, and I think each generation has to learn that um, there is a past and you have to understand it before you can confront it. Absolutely. So I think there's a difference between um, uh, Confederate statues. If I'm African-American, I get it. Uh, the Confederate flag, yeah. I understand it. Reconstruction was a disaster. Jim Crow is an embarrassment. Yeah. But what you do is stop at Washington, uh, Jefferson, uh, Lincoln, Grant, Francis Scott Key, uh, Andrew Jackson. So what the problem is, Judith, you see a big difference between Confederate statues and the founding fathers. I see a big difference, but it seems as though the uh, the rioters don't. So that's my problem. Well, yeah. I mean, we're not going yeah, to the, the city council. Don't. We're not going to the city council with a prepared speech. I'm showing up with ropes and change and and. Uh, sawzalls, and I'm cutting them up. Yeah, that that's unacceptable. Completely unacceptable, outrageous, and it shouldn't be permitted to happen because the way to do it is just as you said, through the legal mechanisms that we have because, you know, the rule of law is really important. And how do we know what the majority really wants unless we use these mechanisms to expand and explore and implement our democracy? So, yeah, I mean, look, but here, let's remember this. I think the protesters are a small, I mean, not the protesters are overwhelmingly peaceful, right? We've seen it all over the country, but there's a small group and it is Antifa and it is the anarchists. And it's the same group that tried to disrupt the Republican convention in New York and blew apart Seattle. It's the same people who are a rabid, radical minority who think they want to speak for the majority. And because the protesters feel so sorry for what's happened to people of color and to minorities in this country, they're letting them get away with it. And I'm waiting for the time when those peaceful pro pro protesters stand up and say, no, enough. This cannot happen. It must not happen because you are debasing and undermining our cause. So I want to go to your column. And Gone with the Wind is always considered, I think it's overall the, the third best or sixth best movie of all time. It's an epic. Right. Considering mm -hmm. it was done in 1939, it's astounding to think they were able to pull off what they did. But because they're too kind to the South, perhaps, it's now originally taken off. And now... Where are we at with seeing movies like Gone with the Wind? Because it's goodbye cops, goodbye live PD, uh, because right. it makes, even though they're reality shows, they feel as though it makes the police officers look too good. 
and now Gone with the Wind makes the South look too good. Is this dangerous in your mind? Absolutely, it's dangerous. And now we have even people calling for episodes, you know, of, of very popular shows to be expunged and not to be streamed because they're offensive. And by the way, this is being led and cheerled by people, some people in Hollywood. I mean, why are we surprised, right? <laughs> but uh, no, because it, once again, you're on a spiral and a slippery slope. And where does it stop? I mean, we, can we not make fun of people of color? Can we not make fun of immigrants? Can we not make fun of wasps or Italian Americans? You know, I was in my article, Brian, I quoted two black voices that I think were really made so much sense. Whoopi Goldberg and Spike Lee. Whoopi is one of the most outspoken people in America, and Spike Lee is one of our great directors. And they both said, stop. This is not right. You know, you've got to see these movies. You've got to understand what people thought at that time and how how they lived. And I'm very worried about this. But ultimately, I think, Brian, you and I would agree on this. The American people are have a lot of common sense. And protesters and people who are very upset, understandably, by what's happened and appropriately by what's happened in, in our police brutality cases, the minority of cases, by the way. But, um, but they, they, too, must join this campaign for free speech, for free expression, because that's what we're all about. And if we're not for that, what are we for? I didn't see it, but Black Klan. Klansman, KKK Klansman, Spike Lee used a celebrated sequence from Gone with the Wind in that. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg's yep. come out and says she has no problem, right, with uh, Gone with the Wind? Right. Uh, right, right. And, and she also said she was worried about all the other things that would be banned if that, if that was, if this started. So, you know, for, for a long time, movies in this country censored themselves. You couldn't, you, you had to have twin beds in the 1950s. You know, you couldn't have people kissing on screen. It was kind of self-censorship. I'm just as worried about that as I am about uh, someone else coming along and telling me what I can and cannot watch. I don't think the government has any appetite for that, but I think radicals in Hollywood and people who think they know what the American people want and should see are more than willing to step up and try and ban things that ordinary Americans would like. And um, I'm going to fight it, and I know you will. And I think people who understand what our Constitution and democracy is about know that it's all about free speech and compromise and getting to a place where everyone feels comfortable. But I don't want to feel comfortable with the Antifa people because they don't want basically what I want. Very interesting. Uh, I have to... Uh, so I'll tell you, the one thing I can't get my head around is why was all in the family? We were mature enough as a society to laugh at our biases and bigotry. That's what all in the family was about. That's what the Jefferson was about. There were cartoon versions of bigotry in America and around the world. And we were able to laugh at it. And I thought that was fantastic because to laugh, you have to understand how wrong it is. And right. that's what Carol O'Connor did with that character. Why doesn't that fly today? Because to me, it shows a society that evolved, but yet Norman Lear, as liberal as it gets, comes up with that character and the Jefferson character, and you don't see that on TV at all anymore. It's really true, and I think it's just a phase that people are in. 
Uh, nobody wants to offend anybody. Nobody wants to make somebody feel uncomfortable. We're worried about microaggressions on university campuses. I think in part, uh, if you have to look at, at what part of our problem is, it is what's going on on many American campuses. I hate to say this, but the very places that should be um, endorsing and championing free speech are actually helping shut it down with this uh, very phony and uh, artificial concern about the uh, feelings of people. Now, some of that is real, and some of it is just an effort uh, to kind of pander to people who are cultural bullies. Um, I'm not having any of it. Uh, the Manhattan Institute, where I work, has spoken out about this often. Uh, it's, a, it's a very important issue. But gotcha. culturally, we've had a shift, and that's why I think you're right. We have to look at the people who are promoting this kind of phony, uh, phony liberalism. Uh, Judith, uh, thanks so much. It was a great column. Pick it up. Judith Miller has got this uh, column out. You can find it at uh, cityjournal.org. It's about censorship. We're all witnessing, but not many people are speaking up. Judith, you did. Thanks so much. Thank you, Brian, and have a great day. You got it. Uh, Listen, when we come back, Carly Shimkus joins us because according to reports, there is more to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to to your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everyone. It's been a while, not only since we've done more to know, but since I've seen Carly Shimkus in person. Carly, how are you? It is so good to see you. Right. I see you on television, of course, but being in the same room, socially distanced, uh, it's good. And can can I talk about something that makes me smile every time I see it? Fox News has this new commercial, and they show the one and only Brian Kilmeade, and then right after... They show me, the and Shimkus honestly, kid. it's an honor. Wow. It, it looks like we're co-hosting. Yeah, almost. <laughs> almost. But it just shows the big audio. Uh, we have the, the wide swath of audio. You're doing uh, Channel 115 yeah, on Sirius. That's right. You're doing on television uh, everywhere. Uh, you're doing a lot of Fox and Friends, and you're doing a lot of Outnumbered, and now you are doing this. Yeah. But the thing I look forward to the most is, honestly, more to know. Let's find out if there is. All right. More to know with Carly Shimkus. All right. Let's start off with Twitter adding a warning label to another one of the president's tweets. The platform is accusing the president of abusive behavior for saying protesters who attempt to create an autonomous zone in Washington, D.C. will be met with serious force. So uh, White House Press Secretary Kaylee McEnany fired back, writing, let's be clear about what just happened. Twitter labeled it abusive behavior for the president to say that he will enforce the law. Them flagging this tweet was very, very surprising to me. Yeah, because they cannot possibly live up to that. You're going to tell me these other clowns that are showing up are not doing offensive tweets exactly. that promote violence? Absolutely. you got to be kidding. Yeah. Next. 
Thank you, Justin. A little bit more of a delay. I was going to order lunch. No crime committed. The FBI says the noose found in Bubba Wallace's garage was there in the fall. They found video of it hanging there before he was even there. The FBI determined that the noose found there at the Talladega Super Speedway had been there for at least a year. A statement by the U.S. Attorney Jay Towns said that an investigation concluded that no federal crime was committed. Wallace, though... Is not backing down, saying a noose was put there to intimidate him. Cut 39. I'm, I'm mad because people are trying to test my character and the person that I am. And Don, the, the, the image that I have and I have seen of, of what was hanging in my garage is not a uh, is not a garage pool. From the evidence that we have, um, that I have, uh, it's a straight up noose. The FBI has stated it was a noose over and over again. NASCAR leadership has stated that it was a noose. I can confirm that I actually got evidence of what was hanging in my garage. Yeah. Well, it's good news. Obviously, no hate crime is good news. Um, but he says it is. He's not backing off. Yeah, which is an interesting response because the uh, FBI says that it's been it was been it was there since 2019. Um, but at the same time, Bubba Wallace is getting criticized right now by by people who you know are just angry with the whole situation, calling him, comparing it to the Jesse Smollett situation, which is, which is totally different. Where he made up that exactly, he Exactly, was- exactly. So, you know, I do feel bad for Bubba Wallace getting dragged into this whole thing as well. It was an honest mistake. Yes, but he doesn't say it was a mistake, so I can't really feel bad for him. Mm. Next. Okay, Washington Redskins defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio has some strong words uh, for those questioning his political views. A Twitter user attempted to call him out, writing, just found out Coach Del Rio is a Trump supporter. Wish these old racists would stay off Twitter. Usually, people in the public eye do not respond to those tweets. He did. He said, I'm 100% for America. If you're not, you can kiss my expletive. Something you don't see every day, especially considering Mike Gundy just apologized for wearing the OAN t-shirt. Which is a conservative network. Yep. He should never have apologized, but his best play was going to transfer. Right. At one point, you got to stand for something in life. Agreed. The White House, this is a small one. White House Correspondents' Dinner. The president's been avoiding for the last few years. Doesn't have to avoid it. It has been canceled. Uh, it will not happen. The dinner was rescheduled for August 29th from April 25th, but they're not going to do it. Good. Yeah. It's getting worse every Agreed. year. Agreed. Agreed. Totally agree. Hey, a lot of people uh, might be... Li- oh, wait. Am I supposed to wait for the swipe? Okay, thank you. A lot of people uh, are probably listening in their cars right now. If you are, be careful. Because a new study found that one in five drivers have forgotten how to drive in lockdown. Some of these things that people are struggling with are understandable, like stalling or struggling with parallel parking. However, others have reported forgetting the basics, like turning on the ignition, which side their gas cap is on, or what the pedals do. If you don't know what the pedals do before you start driving, maybe get out of the car. Not maybe, please. Yes, Because you're going to run over me. Uh, And next, it looks like Showtime will air the James Comey movie before the election called A Higher Loyalty based on his book. Out of all the books that are out there to make a movie, why this one? Yeah. Yes. Especially with his version of life. Right. There's also another uh, movie that's coming out in November, right before the election. Uh, No. What's Uh, that? No, no. The Impractical Jokers movie? They had a movie out. Right now it's the number one comedy because nobody has movies out. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. I'll watch it. I'm down with that type of comedy. Okay. Moving on quite rapidly. 
Uh, a priceless 17th century painting of the Virgin Mary, this is really sad, has been ruined in a botched restoration job. So this art collector tried to fix it, make it better. The person who restored it made, took this beautiful centuries-old painting and changed it into something that looks like a child drew it. History gone Are you forever. I would yeah, love so to see sad. a picture of that. History gone forever could also be the theme of this week. Something you know that you're very fired up. Absolutely, yes. yeah. Take it all down or ruin it. Yeah. One thing. Yeah. She is Carly Shimkus. You played her. You play yourself on TV and radio. That's right. I try to every day. And you do a very good job being you. Thankfully, I don't have multiple personalities that I know of. That we know of. Yes. But you would you be the last to know? You realize that, right? Because <laughs> they don't right. say hello and oh, goodbye. Oh boy. This is the Brian Kilme Show. That was. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Brian Kilmeade here. Thanks so much for listening. It's going to be a busy hour as we come to you from uh, live from New York, but heard around this great country. Uh, New York is really the center of things for today. Anyway, Long Island moves to phase three. Phase uh, We moved out of phase one into phase two on Monday in New York City. So these are good things. What's inexcusable is that our governor has not given malls, theaters, and gyms a way to open. They're just saying you're not even in the phase list. Can you imagine trying to make ends meet, having a having a store in a mall, trying to make a theater work in today's environment when you have a home theater or you have a gym? And a governor says, well, it seems complicated. Hey, governor, they worked it out. They're businessmen and women. They're used to making their own way. Let them compete. Don't just leave open the targets of the world and let other people open up. You can go to a tattoo parlor, but you can't do that. Makes no sense. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. However, in other areas of the country, we're now seeing a disturbing surge of infections that looks like it's a combination. But one of the things is an increase in community spread. Uh, That is uh, the coronavirus update. The overrated, often contradictory Anthony Fauci tells us the state of the fight, the vaccine hopes, and there are some, and concerns about a spike, which you just heard. Where, Where are we in our quest to stand back up the economy in our country? We'll discuss it. Number two. We are excited, as many cities are, to reimagine public safety. And that means not just to reform the police, but to replace the police. Nice. Mayor Libby Schaff, a genius, right? Lawlessness rages. Atlanta, Chicago, New York, Minneapolis. They see a crime spike. Law uh, law enforcement and reform stalls in Washington, D.C. And more Dems. Uh, The Democratic mayor you just heard demand the police disband or be reimagined. Yeah, picture that. Number one. We see that these are not monuments to history and heritage, but they're an attempt to rewrite history and to essentially celebrate a false narrative about what happened during the Civil War. Ken Burns, esteemed historian, but very liberal. War on history. The president ready for the fight, pledging jail for destroyers as they now target the Lincoln statue. Ken Burns was talking about Confederate statues. That was dedicated in 1876, the Lincoln statue. All Jackson statues under 
under attack, which means no memorial is safe. But for New York Governor, uh, I almost said Mario, Andrew Cuomo, the war in our past is a good thing. And I'm serious. With me right now is one of the few fighting for our past to hold on to it, to study it and not destroy it. Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton, military veteran, Ivy League grad. Uh, Senator, welcome back. Hey, Brian, good to be on with you. Senator, are you surprised that you're kind of alone, along with Senator Mike Lee, in this quest to push back? Well, I can tell you the American people are behind us. They strongly disapprove of the kind of mob rule we've seen on the streets. It doesn't matter what the statue is or where it is, Brian. There can be no tolerance whatsoever for the destruction of public or private property, for the kind of mob violence we've seen on the streets in which police forces stand idly by, presumably ordered by left-wing mayors, uh, and let rioters tear down or deface statues. Um, That has to stop, and it has to stop now. And if local authorities will not do their job in in imposing consequences on these rioters, then the Department of Justice needs to take every step possible under federal law to ensure that they face legal consequences. Why is there a reluctance to do so? Not from the president. He made that clear yesterday, an executive order to, uh, here it is, uh, cut three. And now we've enacted an act, a very specific uh, statue and monument act that puts people in jail for 10 years if they do anything to even try to deface one of our monuments or statues. So we have numerous people in prison right now. Others are going there. And that's basically uh, what he's going to do. Uh, we have video of these guys and these women. Yeah, so Brian, these are let's not, go after them. These are not criminal masterminds. They film themselves and post it on social media. Um, I, I'm watching right now on Fox News. They've got footage of the uh, rioters who tried to tear down the statue of Andrew Jackson Monday afternoon in Lafayette Park. There cannot be a more clear-cut, more open-and-shut, cut-and-dry violation of the Veterans Memorial Preservation Act. I discussed this with the president on Monday night after the, those rioters tried to tear down the statue. Is Andrew Jackson on horseback in a military uniform on federal property. That law says up to 10 years in prison for doing so. Any person who participated in it needs to be charged by the Department of Justice. In other areas, in other instances, it may require something like the Federal Anti-Riot Act or other laws, but if local authorities will not do their job, the Department of Justice needs to ensure that we uphold the rule of law in our streets. So do you, do you make a dissemination between Confederate statues and our founding fathers or Francis Scott so, Key? Well, well, of course, well, of course, I esteem our founding fathers and Abraham Lincoln and U.S. Grant above all else. Um, but that's not really the question here, Brian. The question is not is whether we're going to tolerate mob rule or demand the rule of law. It is one thing if a local community decides that they want to honor a different person or people for different reasons. It is an entirely different thing to allow rioters, vigilantes, and mobs to go out and tear down public property. That cannot be tolerated in our society. So Governor Andrew Cuomo, who said Columbus stays, don't leave leave Columbus alone. It means a lot to the Italian people, said this yesterday, cut six. People are making a statement uh, about equality, about community, uh, to be against racism, against slavery. Uh, I think those are good statements. And uh, it depends, you know, can you overdo it? Of course you can. 
But uh, in New York, I don't think we've overdone it. And I think that I think it's a healthy expression of people saying, let's get some priorities here and let's remember the sin and mistake that these this nation made and let's not celebrate it. Where's he wrong? (laughs) Um, He is wrong that it's ever healthy to permit mobs to rule in our society, making statements about things like equality and justice or opposition to racism, of course we should all support those things. It is not a statement when mobs are pulling down statues willy-nilly in the streets. It is a crime, and it needs to be treated as a crime. Even more so, it needs to be stopped. And if Andrew Cuomo is willing to uh, defend to the last hour the statue of Christopher Columbus in Columbus Square in New York City, then I would applaud him because no statue should be pulled down by mobs in the streets. Exactly. But to uh, say to say that it's a it's a healthy thing to make a make a quote unquote statement by defacing or tearing down a statue is antithetical to everything that the rule of law stands for. It's almost a reverse patriotism. We, I'm used to people thinking, when I grew up, people think the problem was with Americans. They think they're the only ones with a history. They think they're the best country in the world. We had this swagger that made us kind of uh, ridiculed when we, went to, when we traveled. And, and Americans had this attitude like they were the center of the world. We not only lost our swagger, we're apologizing for being American. Yeah. How did this happen? Yeah, Brian, when people are tearing down statues of George Washington and U.S. Grant, it's not about the Civil War. It's because they hate America. It's it's because they uphold the premise of that execrable effort by the New York Times, the 1619 Project, revisionist anti-American history, that says, at its core, America is a, is a rotten, fundamentally irredeemable nation which I and you reject wholeheartedly. America is the noblest nation in the history of mankind, um, which has always struggled passionately, tirelessly, relentlessly, although imperfectly, to uphold our founding creed that all men are created equal. Um, It is one thing to recognize that America has always struggled to try to improve and build a more perfect union, as the preamble to our Constitution says. It is another thing to say that America is a fundamentally irredeemable nation. And what do you say to African-Americans listening right now who say, well, wait a second, you know, that's because Brian Kilmeade and Tom Cotton don't have um, ancestry that dates back to slavery. Uh, It's easy for us to say that. What do you say to to African-Americans listening right now? I I say that I understand a lot of the frustrations that they see in our society. We still don't do a good enough job delivering public safety to African-American neighborhoods. We are failing African-American children in our public school system. But I I would submit that most African-Americans would like to see more and more effective policing in their communities. They don't want to see us defunding the police. They would like us to both grapple with our history, but also celebrate the fact that we have come so far in building that more perfect union and in uh, living up to our founding creed. that there is no place in America where someone, no place in the world more so than America where someone can have a fair shot and an open field irrespective of that person's race or color or sex or background. Uh, Talking to Senator Tom Cotton now. Senator, you know, looking at Frederick Douglass, this extraordinary man who became one of the most famous men in the world during his time and today, his book on his life was Book of the Year last year. He learned, even though he had to escape slavery, teach himself to read and write, and became this great writer-speaker, 
he found out right before the war. He goes, I am. I agree that America is falling short because we're not living up to our constitution. It's not that our constitution is bad. Is that we're not living up to it. And what has to be fixed is this thing called amendments. And we did it. And we'll continue to do it. It was this body of work that continues to be improved. And I just don't see people wanting to make the country better by trying to destroy Andrew Jackson or take Lincoln's emancipation statue, which was financed by freed slaves uh, down from a park and think that's progress. I want to switch gears a little bit. When it comes to law enforcement, Democrats are now saying we never said defund the police. We never said we're against we're anti-policing. We just need, you know, maybe we want to go, we want to reform some things about it. And then all of a sudden you have Black Lives Matter basically chanting that. And then you have this mayor from, mayor from Oakland, Libby Schaff. I don't think there's a gray area here. Cut 13. We are excited, as many cities are, to reimagine public safety. And that means not just to reform the police, but to replace the police with more trauma-informed and care-based community-led responses that really don't warrant a badge and a gun. Okay. So we got... We have people who want to send cops in the streets who aren't cops, who are trauma-informed and care-based to stop the next gang member with a bazooka. What is wrong? I mean, can you as a Democrat run from this gov, this mayor who sounds a lot like the mayor that gave up Seattle, who sounds a lot like the mayor in New York that took $140 million out of the budget and a lot out of the mayor from Minneapolis who is, uh, wants to take and has already taken money away from the Minneapolis budget? Yeah, Brian. And I suspect what all those mayors have in common is that they have police security details to protect them from the terrible consequences of their decisions. Who doesn't have that protection? It's their own citizens, especially in most cases, they're lower income citizens. They're citizens that live in high crime neighborhoods. Um, When you cut funding from the police, inevitably, you're going to have less policing, which means more crime. You're also going to have less training because that's one of the places where police departments will cut most quickly so they can preserve the force. And less training means that you're more likely to, to have encounters between police and citizens that result in the use of force. Uh, the exact opposite, we should be doing the exact opposite, which is giving more funding to our police so they have more resources like body cameras or de-escalation technique training. We shouldn't be cutting funding, but as you say, in Seattle, in Minneapolis, in Los Angeles, in New York, the Democratic Party now stands for defunding the police. And Joe Biden can say that he opposes it all he wants, but for 50 years, Joe Biden has done nothing but blown with the wind of Democratic Party politics, and he will do it again if he's elected president. He will focus on defunding the police and letting the mob rule in the streets. Yeah, and real quick, uh, legislation. Uh, How come you guys didn't deal the Democrats in when you were hatching it when it comes to law enforcement reform? So I believe that Tim Scott, who led this working group uh, that uh, we had on police reform over the last week, has in fact been in touch with Democrats. And and they outlined some of their objections yesterday, Brian. That's fine. They're entitled to disagree with Tim's bill on the merits. But all they have to do is turn the letter they sent to Tim into an amendment. 
and propose that amendment on the floor. Remember, today we're not voting on passage of a bill that's going to go to the president for his signature. We're only voting to start debate on a bill. And if they want to change the bill, you've got you to gotta be able to debate it. You've got to be able to propose an amendment. The Democrats are showing that they don't want a solution. They want an issue. Well, if they want the issue in this election to be defunding the police and mob rule, I would, incur, I would welcome that. Senator Tom Cotton, thanks so much, uh, Senator. Listen, thanks for taking a stand on this. You have a lot to do, and there's not many people out there with you. I said that this morning, and I find it astounding, but uh, I continue to be amazed on a daily basis. Senator, thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. All right, uh, Mark Morgan at the bottom of the hour. You're next, 1-866-408-7669. I see Kevin, John, Rocky, and more. You're in the first three when we come back. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back, everybody. I got some breaking news, and it's great news. Uh, I'm a big Michael Flynn fan. He's finally out, it looks like, an appeals court. Uh, orders judge to dismiss the criminal case against Michael Flynn. The appeals court vacates the earlier order by U.S. District Judge Emmett Sullivan, appointing retired judge to argue against the government's request. The order is likely to end in criminal ca- end the criminal case against Michael Flynn. So let's hope. Rocky's in Florida. Hey, Rocky, you want to talk about the statues? Yeah, what seems to be one of the many problems with this cancel culture is that they're assuming that African-Americans are the only ones who form a grievance against the government. I can imagine that American Indians, if they wanted to be really upset, would say, tear down every statue of everything that's yep. American. Why don't I we add statues? Why don't we put more Martin Luther Kings? That, Why can't we add other great people in our past? Why do but, we have to take away? It's worse than that because it seems to me that if you have a great accomplishment, that your great accomplishment cannot be recognized if you have any blemish in your history. How about people who didn't believe in same-sex marriage? Is everything they've accomplished for the rest of their life canceled? We yes. just can't keep doing this to people. We have a history. And- I hear you. And there's a lot of people out there, uh, people in the 1950s, for example, you see them on television, famous. They'll go, there's no way women should be in the workplace. Uh, women belong at home. Could they have been a great scientist? Could they have been astronauts? Could they have been great leaders? Yes. How could he possibly feel that women were below and couldn't have a job? I don't know. They were the person of their times. Why was it ever okay up until 1919 to to have a country where women can't vote? Why was it ever okay for blacks and whites to be in separate baseball leagues? Does that mean Babe Ruth does not belong in the Hall of Fame? Jeff, listening in Raleigh, North Carolina. Jeff. Hey, good morning. Hey, I, what I want to tell you is real simple. Just like with you and your previous guest, two white guys talking about why black people and, 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 and people of color, period, not just black people, okay. have to accept things that were forced upon us. Your, 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 um, your laws, your, your statues. We had no part in, in that. It was no say. It was no American thing. It was American thing. It was just white people. And now we're saying we reject Confederate statues. We never liked them. You never had Washington. What about Washington? What about Jefferson? He was a slave owner. He was a slave owner. We wouldn't have a country without him, Jeff. There's no country without Jefferson. There's no country without these founding fathers. 
Nation presents Podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. And I've just come from the Arizona border to Mount, where we marked the completion of over 220 miles of brand new, beautiful border wall. You know, you don't hear about the wall. They don't want to talk about the wall anymore. Do you notice? Never has the Democrat Party fought so hard against something. And do you notice they never talk about the wall? Because in the end, they gave it up. They gave up. We won. Uh, the president of the United States happy in Yuma, Arizona yesterday in front of a 2,500-seat uh, group, all 18 to 25-year-old young Republicans, where earlier in the day he met with uh, Yuma officials, the mayor there, and uh, Mark Morgan. Uh, Ken Cuccinelli, I imagine, was also there, and, um, and Acting Secretary Wolf, Homeland Security Secretary Wolf, and they looked at the progress made on the wall. What is the actual progress made? How much is left to be done? Mark Morgan joins us right now. He is Acting Commissioner of U.S. Customs and Border. Patrol. Uh, Mark, uh, what was yesterday like? You know, I, j- just as the President Brian, I, I'm happy as well as the Acting Commissioner of CBP. You know, uh, against the backdrop of a lot of naysayers, a lot of false narratives out there that said, uh, you know, we, we weren't going to get this done. We, we are. Uh, 220 miles of new border wall system ha- has been constructed, and, and it's a game changer. And you, don't, you know what? You don't, you don't have to listen to me. Listen to the, to the experts. Listen to the men and women out on the front lines of Border Patrol agents, and they'll tell you how effective this wall system system is for, for them to be able to do their job and protect the American people. And real quickly, by, by the end of this year, Brian, I've said it uh, for over a year now, and I'm going to keep saying it, we're going to get to that 450 miles of new wall system by the end of this year. So you, right now you have about 200, the 200th mile wall. Uh, I think that there's a, a part of that wall that makes it tough to climb. Could you put that in layman's terms? Absolutely. It's just, just a big plate, a, a solid plate on top that when you go up, it, it's hard. There's nothing to grab onto. A lot of people were able to climb through, believe it or not, just the, the ballards going up. They could shimmy up them. And that plane, we call it an anti-climb plate. It does just that. It makes it really difficult to climb over. And it's been effective. You know, a lot of people now are, are walking up to that wall that's in some area, most areas. Yeah, we might have lost him. I hope I didn't. Oh, we got him back. Good. You said there you go to the area of that wall, Mark? All right, wait, Mark Morgan's with us now. He's talking about what the president did. Not only did the president uh, talk uh, about the wall, not only did he visit the wall and have a mini press conference on the wall, then he went and have, gave a major speech talking about the wall and immigration in particular. I think the uh, traffic is down about 85%, 85% where it was a year ago. Now, the wall's part of that. It's not all of it. I've also understand you got drones, you got roads. The roads are key because the border control are not quickly. They're not going through the Wild West uh, in Yuma, Arizona to do it. Drugs are a huge issue in that area. Arizona, a big story uh, in uh, this election. So the president doesn't mind going there as often as possible. It is a Ballard fence, 200th mile. The thing is, critics note that much of the 200 miles is actually rebuilt or reinforced force fencing that was already existed through the new construction amounts to a significant upgrade, and it goes into the ground, too, to deter potential border crossings. Do we have them back? Or All right. 
All right, I want you to hear more from President Trump. Cut 34. So my administration has done more than any administration in history to secure our southern border. Our border has never been more secure. The wall has helped a lot. Uh, Where we have that 200 miles to 12 and now 220, uh, it's really essentially almost, I guess, 99.6 or something like that. Maybe somebody can get an extraordinarily long ladder, but once you get up there, it gets very high. And uh, it's just about unclimbable. So it's, uh, it's really great. That's made a big difference. It's supposed to slow you down, right, Mark? It's not supposed that's exactly. to stop Brian, it's not complicated. I try to make this. It's, it's a common sense. It's, it's, it's a tool to slow you down. And it's not the end all to be all. But, but as part of a multi-layer strategy of infrastructure, technology, and personnel, it's effective. And the facts are, not political talking points, not hyperbole. The facts are, wherever that strategy, including the wall system, has been constructed – Everything has improved. Uh, uh, immigration numbers have gone down. Uh, uh, drug uh, has gone down. Criminals, the whole nine yards. It's been effective everywhere that it's been implemented. Now, so I saw in the Wall Street Journal today, I'll take the exact quote. Critics note that much of the 200 miles is actually rebuilt or reinforced fencing that already existed through the new construction amounts to a significant upgrade to deter potential border crossings. You know, Brian, again, I just I, I kind of have to laugh. I, I think what that shows, again, to me, that's a political talking point. But it also shows that if that's where they have to stretch, that means we're being effective. Because I can tell you, every mile, the 220 miles of the new wall system, it's exactly that. It's new. And, and here's why. Because it's not just a bunch of steel in the ground. It, it's a wall system. And as I said, integrated technology, lighting, access roads. What the new wall system provides, every new mile, it, it's a new mile of capability. Capability that did not exist before that wall system was put in the ground. I'll give you just a quick analogy. You'd be like, you know, on a Friday, you're driving a tricycle. And on Monday, you buy a Lamborghini. I, I think when you're talking to folks over the weekend, you say, what'd you do? I think you don't say, I, I bought a replacement tricycle. I think you're going to say, I bought a brand new Lamborghini. And it just makes sense. So there's not that split rail fence. You had some bob wire. It's been replaced. That's right. That, that's right. It's brand new. We, again, we, we replaced a, a, you know, we, we took a tricycle one day, and now we're driving a Lamborghini the next day. And that's why I, I'm confident it's not a talking point. It's factually based when I say every new mile of 220 miles of wall system is a brand new mile of wall system. Now, will you rest of the wall that you're going to look to put up? It's not necessary to go three, you know, the three, uh, the distance of the country, 3,000 miles. So yeah. how, where is the rest of the wall? Where's the next 200 miles going? Well, so, and that, Brian, that's another question. You've been following this for a long time, and you know. We've never said, no one has ever said that we need, yeah. you know, a, a new mile of, of, of border wall along, you know, all 2,000 miles of the southwest border. But we do need it at strategic locations. And the Border Patrol has really developed a, a border security implementation plan. Let's say take a, just again, a common sense, a, a variety of factors, a variety of threats into consideration. And then, and then they overlie that where we have the highest threat area. That's where we're building the wall. And so, you know, not only are we going to get to the 450 miles by the end of this year, as promised by this president, but also he's funded uh, a wall funding for more than 700 miles of wall system at the end of the day. 700 miles where we need it the most. And would, so, but you have 200 miles, you got four months to do it, you think you'll do it? 
Absolutely. Look, I, I talked to uh, General Todd Seminite, uh, Army Corps engineer. So their wall team and our wall team, they're working every day. And I got to tell you that uh, they're doing a great job. And, and I am confident. Uh, give me, I mean, during COVID, we, we actually sped up the process. We got better, more efficient. There's more contractors out there, more miles of a new wall system going up every day. We're averaging over a mile uh, a day right now. Okay. And we're going to increase that every single week. So, uh, sorry about that uh, sawing in the background. I don't think they realize we're back in studio. Um, I don't know if you could hear that. So, uh, so Mark, also in Yuma, the president uh, did give a speech, and he talked about DACA. As you know, the Supreme Court said not sufficient reason to tell those brought when they were young kids, now young adults, that they should leave the country. So the president says, I'm working on it. Cut 35. We'll work it out with DACA. I think good things are happening with DACA. Uh, they resubmit, but we'll work it out. And... The Democrats have been playing with DACA for years and they haven't done anything. I'll get it done. I'll get it done. And we'll, good things will happen for DACA recipients. And pretty soon. So what is, what is good thing for the administration? Well, I tell you, first of all, as, as the acting commissioner of CBP and as a lawyer, I, I'm, I'm disappointed in, in the Supreme Court. They punted it, uh, just like Congress has done year after year, kind of, you know, for, for, for a very long time. Look, the, the president said it human when we were visiting the, 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 the new wall system is like he, he, he wants to bring closure uh, to, to the folks that are enrolled in this program. But he, he's wanting to do it in a legal way. He, he doesn't want to do this through a political lens. He wants to do this in a legal way. He was looking at the Supreme Court to do that. Unfortunately, they punted. It is on a mere technicality. And if people really look at the decision, like, like it's the, the, the dissent by Justice Thomas is key. I mean, what he said was great. I'm paraphrasing, but he said, why do we need a special procedure to stop something that's illegal? And people need to understand what, what the previous administration did with DACA. It wasn't a law. It, it was a program. And it was illegal. It, it went directly against the Immigration Nationalization Act. It, it, it's, it's absolutely illegal. So what, let's say let's stop the illegal program and then let's give it back to Congress. That's where it belongs. And the president tried to do that in 2018. He's trying to do it now. And what has Congress done every single time, Brian? They've walked away. This should be at the hands of Congress. They should fix this. And this is where the president wants it. Yeah, I mean, he wants to do it. But he also, one of the things, the leverage you guys had is Democrats wanted to do it. The president said he'd deal with it. And when the Supreme Court, when it kept on getting rejected up, even through the Supreme Court, you lose the leverage to get something done. So uh, it's going to be interesting because one of the things you wanted was the wall. The other thing you want is to get rid of the lottery and chain migration. And, and merit-based, that's exactly right. All those things are righteous. And, and I tell you, Brian, but, but here's, a, here's, a, here's a key point with that is, again, Congress walked away. And, and the, the issue with the Supreme Court, this is a mere technicality. It's the Administration Protection Act. So it's, it's an absolute technicality of which in a very narrow, uh, narrow, nuanced decision that the Supreme Court relied on. They did not say that, I mean, they didn't say this wasn't illegal. We all know it's illegal. And they said that the president has the power to do it. They just really decided on a very narrow technicality, push it back to the lower courts, where uh, the administration is already uh, in the process of, of reengaging. I also noticed the, the wall was black. Yes. Is that the president's idea? So I, I think it was a collective idea. It, 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 again, through through discussions, here's, here's what I'm comfortable saying. Is I think everybody knows the president. I mean, what's his background? Construction. He knows construction. So it's actually a kind of a fun to have those kind of discussions with him. And, and we've had lots of discussions. But I got to tell you, what we're trying to do right now, really two key things. One is trying to protect the longevity of the steel that's in the ground to try to maximize the lifespan of that. It just makes sense. And the other thing, there's a real righteous kind of operational ca- uh, capacity. 
capacity to that. The, the agents will tell you when you're looking through something that's darker, the, the ballards, it actually provides a greater contrast as you're looking through the ballards uh, and then steel so you can see what's on the other side. So it, it makes sense. Interesting. Uh, Mark, I guess it's an exciting day. I know how hard you've worked on this. I think the most important thing is the numbers are down 80 percent in a year. Tremendous. Because, because the, the anxiety of these people who come across, many of them are good people looking for an opportunity, but it's illegal. And right. to see them just hold up standing for hours because we have no place to put them to remain in Mexico along with the, build border, uh, the building of the border fence. Uh, I think future administrations will benefit from this. And I'm sure the president hopes uh, he's got four more years to build on it. Mark, thanks so much. You bet, Brian. Anytime. You got it. one 866 Manny's in Orlando. Hey, Manny. Hi, Mariah. Hi, Brian. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I just want to uh, make a remark about I want to warn Americans. I came from Venezuela and the same stuff happened over there. They start with the statues. They defund the police. They create a new uh, whole police for the whole country. Like uh, I seen the same pattern. Uh, I'm a proud American now, and I just want to say that, I mean, I've been listening to you for more than five years now. Uh, I came here without nothing, without knowing English. I'm, I'm trying to improve myself, and I can tell you the American dream is alive, and, and I'm going to defend it with my life if I, if I, if I could. Great, Manny. Thanks so much. Manny in Orlando, where so many people go to, to start fresh and to start first. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Got some uh, good news. Uh, Michael Flynn, it looks as though an appeals court says prosecutors have the authority to dismiss the Flynn case. Therefore, it's dismissed, we think. They might try to delay it. Uh, They might just do some procedural things to delay it, but it'll be pure spite. Michael Flynn, they found additional, by the way, text from Peter Strzok. I don't know what they say that we're going to find out soon, but I think that that plays into this. Let this guy get on with his life. I mean, he spends 30 plus years in the military, is out for about a year, joins the Trump campaign and then gets named to a position and all hell is broken loose for the last three years. All he did was lose his house, his income, his lawyer, and and now hopefully we're going to get – he can write a book about this, bounce back, um, and we could hear his side of the story. Jared's listening on WABC in East Haven, Connecticut. Jared. All right. That was a Nixonian, Forstonian interview you had there. And uh, Mr. Flynn, General Flynn, wrote a book a few years ago, man. I mean, I why don't some billionaires help this guy out, man? He did some job for this country, and he's being hung out to drive the guy. Uh, the thing I like to mention is the president, with the illegal immigration issue and the illegal immigration issue, should bypass everybody politically, the media, and go right to the American people with this issue. We know it's going to be settled politically, but win them over 100 percent. This election is going to be won also with this immigration issue in the industrial Midwest where those voters are out there. They're, they're not too interested in any kind of uh, political discourse, name calling anything. They know it's they know it's allowed in politics. Uh, tampering with the agenda is not. That's how the election is going to be won in the Midwest. 
persuading those voters, whether you call them Reagan Democrats, Democrats who voted for Trump, even people who probably never voted before. People feel that their vote meant nothing, but they felt it meant something four years ago. And also getting what's called the independent voter on your side. That's it. Bypass everyone. Bring it to the American people. The illegal immigration issue must be stopped cold at that border. Illegal the visas, visa violations, countries with those violations should lose those privileges. I call for that before 9-11, wow. and we wouldn't have had that mess. Jared, I hear you. I, I wonder if the Democrats who used to be for those things you just mentioned now won't because Trump is for it and their base is now so liberal. So they need some leverage, and that's why the DACA case at the Supreme Court uh, decided that it was unconstitutional, that Barack Obama basically told us it was, that would give the president the leverage to get them to the table. Now he does not have that leverage, and we have an election. Uh, let's go out to Jacob was on WABC in Brooklyn. Jacob. Hi. Uh, what I'd like to say is uh, North America had tribes before Europeans came here. Europeans had tribes, different nations with different languages. Africa had tribes, different uh, tribes with different languages. So everybody comes here now, and it seems like uh, different groups want to have tribes again in this country. The Constitution was made so this nation is not a nation of conflicting tribes. It's a nation where everybody is equal. And the law is for everybody. Here you. Thanks so much, uh, Ronnie, Texas. Ronnie. Hey, Brian. How you doing, man? I know you're familiar with Jordan Peterson, Victor Hansen, sure. Thomas Sowell. Yep. Be it for me to put any words in their mouths. But what I've heard from them and been able to glean, this is a broader spectrum than what we've been discussing. I saw you were really uh, disgusted and intense this morning about some of the uh, Western, you know, iconic statues be in town and stuff. And I want to probe the depth of that because uh, this is not really just an attack. Those are surface issues. What's really going on uh, uh, here, according to Peterson, Hanson, and Soul, they're going after Western civilization right here, man. Uh, these are anarchists, and you can go whatever name you want to call them, BLM, Antifa, whatever. They're going after the very root of our civilization. I don't care what name you go by. And listen, they're willing to... They're willing to do anything. They've shown they're willing to loot, kill, destroy, deface, and apparently do anything to get to their goals, which is nothing more than domestic terrorism. And this is my deal. Uh, you know, they'll even kill people. I see almost no real pushback or from I any. I see no pushback, not, not, of, not of any consequence. And part of the problem is that the ruling class is not able or willing to, to do the work necessary to correct this problem. Ronnie, thanks. I'll have to leave it there. We're up against the break, but that is true. Where is Joe Biden? Well, if you want to bring the country together, stand with the president and say, leave our history alone. That would be a start. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Appreciate you listening, everyone. Brian Kilmeade Show coming your way. We're going to be joined by Adam Carolla at the bottom of the hour, one of the funniest, most insightful people in the world right now as far as my money. 
Uh, and Dan Hoffman, in about 15 minutes, you see a former CIA guy stationed in Russia, very familiar with the South China Sea, sees China as a massive threat, as does Christopher Ray, by the way, who's going to be interviewing with Brett Baer tonight. Pretty amazing. Uh, we'll discuss with, with uh, what's going on in the world with both of them. Uh, also, a uh, quick note, Sunday at 10 o'clock, for those who love history, and it's most of the people that love the news and listen to shows like mine, uh, What Makes America Great, the series for Fox Nation, comes to Fox News for an original look at the history of the White House, which includes an interview with the current resident, President Donald Trump. I think for those who are lucky enough to go through it, you probably don't remember it as well, and you're not going to get as up close and personal as this one will be. So I hope you watch 10 o'clock and then 1 o'clock in the morning Eastern time. I'll be telling you that again. And keep in mind this. If you ever miss the show live, you can get it on uh, iHeartRadio. Uh, and you can get that. You get iHeart, and it'll be on the podcast. You also uh, So that'll be an opportunity for you to listen anytime, anywhere. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. However, in other areas of the country, we're now seeing a disturbing surge of infections that looks like it's a combination. But one of the things is an increase in community spread. Uh, That is Anthony Fauci. Coronavirus update and update. And uh, we do have a spike. We still are in a fight, but there's a lot of hope when it comes to a vaccine. We'll keep you updated. Number two, we are excited, as many cities are, to reimagine public safety. And that means not just to reform the police, but to replace the police. Really? Is anyone excited about that except for those lunatics in Oakland? Lawlessness. That was the mayor of Oakland. And it's raging. Atlanta, Chicago, New York, Minneapolis. Crime is spiking. Law enforcement uh, is taking a beating. And they're deciding to sit back and, in case of Atlanta... Get the blue flu. More Democratic uh, mayors demand the police be disbanded. Hey, Joe Biden, where do you stand? Either rein them in or join them. Number one. We see that these are not monuments to history and heritage, but they're an attempt to rewrite history and to essentially celebrate a false narrative about what happened during the Civil War. That is Ken Burns. War on History. The president ready for the fight, pledging jail for destroyers as they now target Lincoln, dedicated in 1876 by Frederick Douglass. All Jackson statues under attack and with high security, which means no memorial, and I mean none, is safe. But for New York Governor Cuomo, the war in our past, really good, really exciting. Isn't he wonderful? Governor Cuomo, who loves to have press conferences and ask himself questions because he never gets any hard ones. I've never seen him have a statement without asking himself a question. And this is no different. Did you see what happened on Monday night? I was at the White House on Monday. And one of the questions I had to the president was the war on Andrew Jackson, which he loves. Jackson, the first Democrat, ironically, president, who was disliked by Washington. So he took his case to the people. He was the first to campaign. And he lost a close election and then said, "Okay, I lost once. I'll beat you in four years. And he did twice beat John Quincy Adams. Andrew Jackson becomes president, has influence on Martin Van Buren, Buchanan, uh, Sam Houston with Texas. 
Uh, it's a Jacksonian era, but now they want to take him down because of his war with Indians. The India, his role in the Indian Removal Act, uh, wrote the plan. It was executed under Martin Van Buren. Nobody's prideful of that. The fact that he had slaves is a fact. The fact that he changed the country is not. And because of that, in a good way, and because he was an American success story who fought in our war at the age of 14 and then led our, led our uh, troops to the battle of win in, against the Creek War, uh, against the Creek Indians in the Battle of Horseshoe Bend, took out the Spanish in Florida, and then rushes to take out the British in New Orleans. One of the greatest victories in our nation's history while suffering from dysentery. In, a, in an army he put together in three weeks. Well, he wasn't perfect. Let's take his statue down. He's got a statue in Jacksonville named after him. He's got a statue in Battle of New Orleans, of course. And now he's got a statue right across the street from the White House that this guy named Ronald Reagan insisted on having his picture taken with before he started his first term. That's how much Jackson meant to him. But it means to these anarchists, these revisionists, these criminals— we got to take it down and write killer on the side. You would think people would be upset by this. The president's taking action. Cut three. And now we've enacted an act, a very specific uh, statue and monument act that puts people in jail for 10 years if they do anything to even try to deface one of our monuments or statues. So we have... Numerous people in prison right now. Others are going there. And we're going to look at that from a standpoint of retroactivity. We can go back and look at some of the damage they've done. So we've taken a very strong stance. And it won't be happening federally. If it does, they're going to pay a very big price. And they know that it won't be happening with the federal statues and monuments. Well, uh, so the, this is the one that really blew it for me. Now, you heard they took down Grant's statue. You heard they destroyed Washington's statue in Portland. And just like the president predicted, you come from the Confederates and you got a case there. Absolutely have a case. But when you go for the – then you say, well, I got a problem with Jefferson. I got a problem with George Washington. And when the president said that, they said, well, he's obfuscating. No, he wasn't. He was 100% right. They've come for both in 2020. They started with in 2017. And it doesn't bother Andrew Cuomo, New York's governor. Cut six. People are making a statement uh, about equality, about community, uh, to be against racism, against slavery. Uh, I think those are good statements. And uh, it depends, you know, can you overdo it? Of course you can. But uh, in New York, I don't think we've overdone it. And I think that I think it's a healthy expression of people saying, let's get some priorities here and let's remember the sin and mistake that these this nation made and let's not celebrate it. All right. So uh, I personally have no problem with Columbus. Did I love the way he ruled the Caribbean? No. Uh, but as an explorer, 300 years before anybody came to America, he was out there. He did something extraordinary. We noted it back then. Columbus, Ohio, Columbia, District of Columbia. The Columbus Day uh, was a day off. We have Columbus Day Parade in Manhattan. Andrew Cuomo says, uh, yeah, don't touch that one. Uh, we look at it as an Italian day. Well, a lot of people look at Washington's birthday as a special day, too. So he is for your freedom of expression destroying things, but just not for destroying his Italian holiday. I'm half Italian. Ken Burns has a point. Cut seven. What I know 
uh, from my reading of history is that the Confederate monuments have to go. We see that these are not monuments to history and heritage, but they're an attempt to rewrite history and to essentially celebrate a false narrative about what happened during the Civil War and to uh, send the wink winks, uh, the dog whistles, as we are fond of saying today, across the generations about what the Civil War was about. Well, listen, uh I know what happened in the South. I know Reconstruction was a disaster. Andrew Johnson was a drunk uh, racist. And Lincoln assassinated, destroyed our country more than we could ever imagine. We would have been so much better off had Lincoln and Grant been able to combine with a Frederick Douglass and force uh, the South to understand they lost. And for those those, fr- those slaves, we, we would have rushed. The goal was to build housing, rush teachers in. Andrew Johnson did none of that. So Frederick Douglass who met with Lincoln and combined forces to help win a war and change the minds of people and have the Emancipation Proclamation free slaves and tilt everything our direction and form things like the 54th Massachusetts Infantry Army. Because of that, in 1876, they had a statue made. And the statue was financed by freed slaves. And it was actually designed uh, by uh, a man named Jerome Ball. He was an American living in Italy. He took four pictures of different designs he had. And it ends up the one that got accepted was the design of Lincoln. It was a big guy, 6'4", standing over another man. But it wasn't just another man. They actually patterned it after a true former slave named Archer Alexander, whom the sculptor then depicted with muscles looking up with his fists clenched, in part breaking his own chains under the president's guiding arm. At first, they had a kneeling slave saying, basically, thank you, Lincoln. But instead, they want to show a man breaking out, a real American. Now, that's, that has to come down, according to Representative Eleanor Holmes Norton, who wants the Emancipation Memorial removed and said she will look to introduce legislation to the House uh, if the National Park Service does not remove it on its own. They say they're taking it down tomorrow. When you take down Lincoln, you have lost your mind. If you don't like the depiction, you can debate it, but go back in history and see what they thought about it. Frederick Douglass dedicated it. Nobody gave more for his country than Frederick Douglass, born a slave who escaped, a fugitive for years, best-selling author, internationally known, one of the greatest speakers, writers we've ever had, started his own newspaper, and led the conscience of America to a better country. He said he gave an incredible speech under that statue. You don't move it. You want to add something to it? Go ahead. But you don't spray paint it and you don't wreck it. I didn't think. Got a lot to say. I'll get to it in just a moment. Dan Hoffman's next, though. He talks about our China problem. They've changed. Uh, They used to want to be a part of the world and win. Now all they talk about is beating us. He's going to talk about the assault. It's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. So what's at stake is the economic opportunity of our children and our grandchildren whether we can continue to be the technological leader of the world. The Chinese have uh, embarked on a very aggressive program during this time of stealing and cheating 
uh, in order to overtake us. They've stolen our intellectual property. When they steal our, steal our secrets about future technology, they're stealing the future of the American people. Dan Hoffman knows all that. Will William Barr told Maria on Sunday he's a Fox News contributor, former CIA station chief, and served in Moscow, Iraq, and Pakistan. Dan, uh, you understand where Barr was coming from, right? Yeah, absolutely. He's very accurately describing the multifaceted uh, threats that we face from China to our national security. So in what way does that affect Texas? Well, it's really interesting. You know, China's flooding their zone. They are, uh, they're, you know, militarizing the South China Sea. They're stealing our intellectual property. Uh, we know that they, that they deliberately concealed the outbreak and severity of the coronavirus. They sent massive numbers of intelligence officers to our country to steal our secrets and target our national security officials. And now they're bringing their uh, espionage to Valverde County in Texas, uh, the pristine Devil's River, uh, because they're focused on plugging into our electrical grid there, as well as tracking the Laughlin Air Force Base. And they're using as cover building wind farms. Uh, Chinese subsidiary GH America purchased over 100,000 acres of land there. And uh, that's what they're doing. And, and our government, federal government, uh, needs to do something about it to counter uh, China's attack on our sovereignty. So have you seen signs that they're already working their espionage? I know the 2015 law says they have to, right? Exactly. That 2015 law says that all Chinese citizens and organizations must support, cooperate, and collaborate in the national intelligence work. So there's absolutely nothing there left to the imagination about the extent to which China deploys its own citizens. That's not just in China. That's overseas as well. What I understand is, why would we let them do this? Well, they're exploiting our free and open democracy uh, and, you know, the, the freedom that people have to purchase land in Texas, for example. We need tighter controls over allowing foreign agents of a foreign power, which is what the GH America is. It's a wholly owned subsidiary of a Chinese company based out of um, Xinjiang, which is where China is repressing the rights of the Uyghurs and other um, ethnic minorities and denying their human rights. uh, Listeners will recall that President Trump just signed uh, legislation that imposes sanctions on those involved in that uh, human rights, uh, those human rights abuses. Um, So, you know, the first step, obviously, is to shine a a bright spotlight on this. And then secondly, it's over to our government to do something about it. And, uh, and that's, that's critical, I think, of importance for us. All right, we kind of just like gave up on Hong Kong, uh, which is astounding. Uh, but the world seems to be equally befuddled by their behavior. We have an opportunity now. Australia is getting uh, they're getting repercussions for them standing up, demanding an investigation. They're changing communications coming out of the European Union. Dan, we have to do a better job getting other countries on board. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. This is a time for us to build that of the alliance that we need with with just those countries you mentioned. China's tried to interfere in Australia's elections and, and their politics. Um, the European Union has issued a strong statement, but you and I, and I think all our listeners know that you got to kind of back up the European Union. They're not very aggressive on their own. Um, but this is an important opportunity for us. Look, this, this administration, the Trump administration, has been very strong on countering Huawei because we're concerned that it could be a backdoor for China to spy on us. Uh, or mount a cyber attack in the event of conflict. Um, that's that's frankly just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, there's just so much out there. We need um, 
a coalition of, of our allied partners working with us dealing with Chinese unfair trade practices and, and espionage. Uh, Dan, do you think the president's being played by Vladimir Putin? I, I thought that was a pretty simplistic way of describing the relationship, um, frankly. From John and Bolton. I, yeah, I just think the relationship between the United States and Russia is far more complicated and nuanced than that. Um, and, you know, we've, we've, in, we've imposed a lot of sanctions on Russia. We've been hard on uh, on them in Ukraine by providing um, the Javelin anti-tank weapons to the Ukrainians. Um, Russia continues to interfere in our domestic politics. Russia continues to be an adversary. Uh, but, again, I think the relationship there is just so much more complicated than, than Ambassador Bolton was, uh, was, was describing. And when you see what China has done, uh, they they also have that skirmish uh, with India. I think India got 15 guys killed on their border, the largest democracy in the land. Is a way to hedge against China? Can you get tighter with India, or do you have problems with India? No, I think, you know, the concern about India is are they going to come to us or their other ally, Russia? And, and we need to, you know, you're right, India is, is a democracy and um, is a counterbalance to China. Uh, they're also having a lot of issues with Pakistan and in that same region in Kashmir. Uh, and so we've, we've tried diplomatically to uh, engineer, you know, warmer relationships, warmer relationship between Pakistan and India, very important given those two countries have nuclear weapons. But I've always felt like we do need to bring India closer, uh, again, as a counterbalance to China. They play a key role in that for All sure. Right. All right, Dan, great column. Uh, always good get good your perspective on the dangers of China, the small and large. They have a mandate from their government to make sure they get things for their military. And in this case, they're just too close and they can learn too much. And hopefully we'll wise up to it. Dan, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. Have a great day. You too. Hey, uh, go to uh, show.com. You can get this stream anytime, and we're also seen on Fox Nation. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Adam Crowley. He's got a brand new book out. It's called I'm Your Su- Emotional Support Animal, Navigating Our All-Woke, No-Joke Culture. He'll talk about that, the news, and so much more. An important book, a great personality. In just a moment. News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. I say I'm done with it. It gives no more energy for me. That's why I said for the last time I'm addressing this. It's, it's, there's no more conversation about it. I'm, I'm literally, I'm over that. I'm over the moment. And I'm about today. So if it's accepted, great. If it's not, it's nothing I can control. The pushback on the apology, that is Kevin Hart, uh, a man with an opinion as good as comedian as you will find in this generation. Tired of apologizing about tweets he put years ago that stopped him from hosting the Oscars. And maybe, perhaps, we don't never know the truth unless we ask him. He gave Adam Crow the idea for his ne- ne- next book. And it's out now. It's called I'm Your Emotional Support Animal, Navigating Our All, our all Woke, No Joke Culture. Adam, welcome back. Great to be back. Thanks for having me. 
Adam, you are the the Christopher Columbus. Am I allowed to say that of the podcast industry? Am I allowed to? Are you going to have to apologize for calling you that? Well, I don't want to end up in the river, so watch what you say. <laughs> so, what do you feel? I just thought that would be after reading a lot of your book. And by the way, I paid for it. I downloaded it. So, I, oh, I'm thank you. The whole apology thing drives you nuts. You will never apologize. Is that correct? Unless you mean it. Um. Well, look, I've I've you know I have a 13 year old daughter. I apologized to uh, three weeks ago because I, I raised my voice, but I I meant I meant it. Um, no, the reason we shouldn't apologize is, is not because people look, look, here's the deal. I raised my voice to my daughter. I thought yep. about it and then I apologized. She didn't, I didn't have an angry mob go, gather up <laughs> around my house or on Twitter and command that I apologize. And here's, here's the thing. They don't even want the apology. They want the power of coercing the apology. So you have to really think about the dynamic of what they're asking for. The apology, look, whether it's Drew Brees apologizing or whomever, Kevin Hart, whatever, celebrity, whatever, they're not apologizing. They didn't change their mind. You think Drew Brees changed his mind on standing for the flag in the, in the 15 minutes since he made a statement and the outrage no. mob got hold of him? No, it's, it's an exercise in strength, it's me saying, I have dominion over you. I control you. Apologize. I mean, you can, there's many different forms of control you can have over someone, but demanding that they apologize to you is the ultimate control. And so it's contrition and it's control. And that's what they're seeking. And that's why they never stop. That's why as soon as you apologize, they just move on to the next person and get the next apology, or they'll have you apologize for something else. It doesn't matter. They're drunk on apologies, and they stop when they don't get them. Like, I don't apologize. I say outrageous things every day. I write outrageous things in my book. No one asks me to apologize. Why not? Because you're not going to, and that's who you are. Right. So it's like, don't negotiate with hostage takers. If you're a country that negotiates with hostage takers, you get more hostages taken. You can't show uh, weakness. Uh, so a lot of people think it's progress in society. I, I look back, I'm not the same person. I'll give you an example. Uh, a person that I have listened to for for as long as I've gotten a ra- had a, a listen to talk radio is Howard Stern. You're on with him. You're fantastic when you're on with him. I try to listen to him as much as possible, but we have conflicting schedules. So they went, someone went back, and they saw some skits he did in blackface. And over the weekend, I heard all about these Howard Stern blackface stories. Here's Howard Stern handling it. Tell me what you think. Cut to. Attacking me during the coronavirus and during Black Lives Matter is absolutely f-ing crazy. You want to concentrate on me and bully me and, you know, and, and expose me, you know, with all the... Uh, TV shows I've done. They're, they're all out there. There's nothing new here. We all know I was the craziest on radio. You know, I'm excited about gay rights, telling you not to beat up gay people. And uh, I'm excited about the changes that are coming out of Black Lives Matter. Watching that guy choke to death. It's, it's sickening and appalling. And it's ridiculous. And I think real change might be in the air. So how did he handle it? You're allowed to say uh, I did things once upon a time that I wouldn't do now. And and I'm different than I was. And, you know, I used to be 
against gay marriage. Now I'm for gay marriage. I think you're allowed to say that. Uh, also, you know, there's a there's a big difference between I think he handled it well is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think there's a big difference between you doing something that made it into your high school yearbook yep. from the graduating class of 1987 and Drew Brees saying something 15 minutes ago. I mean, think about how we used to talk. Think about what we used to do. Think about I mean. You know how many people I bullied and I didn't even know it was called bullying them? <laughs> it, was, it was called roughhousing to me. It was called horseplay back then. It was called screwing around. You know what I mean? So I think we're all allowed to look in a rearview mirror and, you know, what about a relationship? You know, what about my first seven girlfriends? You think I wish I'd handled things better or been less of a clod or whatever? Of course I do. But that's different than me sending out a tweet at 9 a.m. and apologizing and taking it back at 10 a.m. I hear you. And here's an example, I think, of someone who handled it well. Ellen DeGeneres did something terrible. She was seen with George W. Bush, and it turns out they are friends. Can you believe it? Here's Ellen DeGeneres, right. instead of backing down, saying this, cut seven. During the game, they showed a shot of George and me laughing together. And uh, so people were upset. They thought, why is a gay Hollywood liberal sitting next to a conservative Republican president? But a lot of people were mad, and they did what people do when they're mad. They tweet. And, uh, but here's one tweet that I loved. This uh, person says, Ellen and George Bush together makes me have faith in America again. Here's the thing. I'm friends with George Bush. In fact, I'm friends with a lot of people who don't share the same beliefs that I have. We're all different, and I think that we've forgotten that that's okay, that we're all different. When I say be kind to one another i don't mean only the people that think the same way that you do i mean be kind to everyone she's singing your song right absolutely and here's an interesting part of that story i always try to highlight when people say to me you know well why are you always going on fox and selling your book I'm, i say because cnn and msnbc won't have me that's why i'm going on fox but there's an interesting part of that story um I never thought about it, but let's picture it because you've experienced it, too. Ellen is gay and very liberal. She sat down with a Republican. How come conservatives weren't outraged? Oh, great point. And we great. never even thought of that, right? Yeah, I never thought of it. Because it's, it's not our job to be outraged. It's their job to be outraged. Everyone was outraged. Ellen, 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 what are you sitting with this old guy? Well, let's just flip the script. Shouldn't religious conservative people have been outraged that you sat next to this outspoken lesbian? How come no outrage on the right? Listen, I, I understand and believe it. Plus, you're friends with Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, famously, I think Jimmy Kimmel is more responsible for killing the skinny uh, health care plan, revamping, re, re, uh, uh, re, uh, the end of uh, Obamacare than anybody else. Him and Chuck Schumer, he was doing uh, his monologues every night about that. You two seem to be opposite politically, but he did actually endorse this book in an odd way, and you are best friends. So are you an yeah. example of that, or is there tension between you guys? No, I have tons. You know, there, it, it's funny. There's, there's two ways you can approach this in, in Hollywood. There are the folks that never talk to you again, and <laughs> then there are the folks who go, hey, we disagree about p some political subjects but he's still a great guy and we're still great friends of, of many of those people including including jimmy in my life all right so good news more with adam carolla right after this this is the brian kilmeade show 
Don't move. It's Brian Kilmeade. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. So Adam Crow is with us now. He's got another great book out. It's so reasonable, uh, so readable. I'm halfway through. Didn't even know. Uh, I thought I was reading a column while listening to your podcast because it is totally your voice. It says, I'm your emotional support animal navigating our woke, no-joke culture. Now, Adam, on stage, it must be brutal for the average comedian because if people are getting offended nonstop, what is it like on stage? when you're doing things and you have to point out the contradictions and oddities of society. You always are pointing out ethnic and, and gender issues. How are you dealing with that material? I, I just say what, I mean, look, you read half the book. You think I hold anything back? No. <laughs> I, I just say it. I just do it. You know, I, I didn't get into comedy to figure out which way the wind was blowing or what other people wanted me to say. I never, it's always been my stance uh, early in my radio career. You know, I was on K-Rock in Los Angeles. It was a hot station for every 15-year-old snowboarder in Orange County. And my program director would say to me, like, don't talk about flying first class or don't talk about being a millionaire or don't talk about buying a big house or anything like that. And I was just telling them, I'm not them. I didn't, they don't want to listen to them. They paid to listen to me. I'm not going to change my – I'm not going to try to figure out what they want to hear. That's the death of creativity. It's the death of all art. I'm going to paint what people want me to paint. I'm going to write a song that I think people want me to write. I'm going to tell a joke that they want or I won't tell a joke because I don't do that. If it's funny to me, I say it. That, that's why I got in this business. I'm a carpenter. I have a trade. I can go back to carpentry <laughs> if I get run out of show business. And I do want to say this about this book. It's important that your audience support this book because you got to understand I'm on an island. I'm independent. I don't really, I, I'm a three time New York times bestseller. I went to all of my old publishers in Manhattan and I said, I want to write another book after five years. And they said, that's a hard pass. None, none of them, none of my former publishers, none of the big publishers, nobody wanted to touch this book. It's, it's top 10 on Amazon right now, but none of them wanted to touch it because of the things I say, because I don't apologize, because of my opinions, because of how much this society has changed in the yep. 10 years since I published my first book. Wow. Uh, and that's another reason uh, to support it. So I'll give you another example. I could not believe how perfect your book and the topic is for what's going on in the country right now. For example, they're pulling Gone with the Wind. Because this is the, considered by many people the best movie ever made because of the racial insensitivity, for lack of a better term. So here's Nichelle Turner. She's a CNN contributor, a movie expert. Listen to how she recommends we all handle that. Should we hear it? Sure. I wouldn't be in favor of just pulling the film, you know, all the way. But I do think that there is something to be said about maybe adding some context to it, maybe an artist roundtable or, or discussion along with the film when it when it comes back. It definitely is a problematic movie in a lot of ways. And I think having a conversation about that is appropriate. And, and so, but I definitely think that it does um, deserve to have some conversation with this movie because in the time that it was made, there was a lot of problematics with films made about slavery and, and, and the South. I am for an explanation before the movie rolls on Gone with the Wind. 
I, well, first things first, I, you know, I don't, the, the historical stuff I never get because did we have slaves in that era? Did we fight a war to end slavery? You know, in, you know, it's like, Hey, there wasn't enough, uh, people of color in Dunkirk, you know, well, were there people of color who were leaving that beachhead in 1943 or whatever it was, you know what I mean? Like my whole thing is it's historical, whatever you're recreating the time. When you make a movie from the fifties, you have to get cars from the fifties to drive up and down main street. You can't raise your hand and go, those things didn't have catalytic converters. What kind of message are you sending? (laughs) Greta Thunberg. It's historical, you idiots. You can decide whether you like it or not. Maybe you don't like what's coming out of the tailpipe of that Buick. Fine, but that's what they drove in 1955. I hear you, and I hear the anger, and I hear the pushback. So the question is, if we are such an advanced culture, why was All in the Family the number one show for about 10 years in the 70s? We were laughing at the bigotry. We had risen above it and laughing at the naivete from Je- the Jeffersons to, uh, to Archie Bunker uh, and his family. I thought that we improved from there, but now we, we can't even get that on, in syndication. I can't get my head around. I thought that was progress in the 70s. We were laughing at our old selves, weren't we? Well, I, I grew up in a very progressive family. My mom was a full-blown hippie, by the way, you know, sidebar, that's how I learned most of this AOC crap doesn't work. I, I saw my mom getting welfare and food stamps, and I saw her being ruined by it. But anyway, we watched Alton the Family religiously. I was a young kid. My mom was very progressive. We watched that show. We were laughing at Archie Bunker, not yes. with Archie Bunker. And I knew the difference when I was nine. Not anymore, evidently. We can't do that. Uh, a couple other things in your book. You talk about these new support am, uh, animals. Since when are we on plane with support animals? When did it be okay to bring a dog on? When did that happen? Did we not need to? You bring up? Did we not need the same support in the seventies and eighties? Why is it okay now? It's narcissism. It's people gaming the system. Look, I love my dog. That, by the way, the cover of the book. That's a, my hundred and ten pound black lab Phil. That's on my lap. That was a that was a funny uh, photo shoot that day. But that is my dog on my lap, sitting on an airplane seat on the cover of this book. Yes, I love my dog, and I would love to travel with my dog. But I also remember the golden rule: there's somebody sitting next to me that probably doesn't love Phil as much as I do, and thus I leave him at home. And listen, it's out of control. It's not just dogs now. I mean, people are traveling with llamas and. Shetland ponies. I I made a joke years ago where I said, like, in a movie called Road Hard, an independent movie I did, I said, when's this going to end? What are the rules? Can I travel with a Gilligan, my service pelican? Am I going to travel with a pelican? And I'm thinking about it now. It doesn't sound nuts, does it? Somebody traveling with Gilligan, her service pelican. No, it doesn't. And I just like to point out, too, you have some endorsements that are questionable. Uh, big names, yes. Donald Trump Jr., Tucker Carlson, Brian Cranston, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, who says to you, within these pages you'll find written proof that Adam Carolla is insane. Doesn't seem like an endorsement. 
Uh, Alec Baldwin also. Adam Crow is a liar, a whore, a swindler, a degenerate, and a borderline illiterate, but he knows a lot about cars. I mean, a lot. Now, what was the editor's, uh, what was your feeling? Will that help sell books? We wanted to get a cross-section of yes. everybody to uh, weigh in on this book. I know I know a lot of my friends on the left know there's going to be things in this book that are totally inflammatory <laughs> that they can't they can't put their name on. They can't put their stamp of approval on some of the horrible things that are said in the book that are all true. So they just gave the Adams a swindler, liar, and a whatever version so it doesn't come back and bite him in the ass <laughs> at a later date. Because then someone would say to him, oh, you endorse this guy? Look what he wrote in Chapter 7. It saved him, but his name's there. Uh, it's impossible not to think this guy is funny, and not, uh, not impo- and it's impossible to read this book and not think you're insightful. Adam Kroll, congratulations on all your success, and do it for America. Buy Adam's book for America. Am I correct? Well, look, there's not a lot of places for voices like mine anymore. I'm independent. I'm not in the mainstream. If you don't support voices like mine, you're going you're gonna to lose them. This wasn't done through any big publisher. I hear you, and I don't want to lose you. Adam, thanks so much. You're the best. Thanks, Brian. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.